Welcome to the Wampa's Lair Podcast. Deep in the bowels of the frozen ice caverns of Hoth, our hosts, Carl Eclair and Jason Hunt, discuss all things Star Wars. So join the conversation and hang out here in the Wampa's Lair. everybody and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampus Lair podcast. This is episode number 280, Star Wars Day Extravaganza. <laughs> I'm as always one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the Captain Tarples to my Jar Jar Binks, we have Carl Leclerc. No again, Jason. You still going to the bosses. You saw in big doo-doo this time. How? <laughs> <laughs> Jason, I'm glad you're back. I missed you last week. I'm so glad to be back. I'm exhausted, but I need to podcast. Like, it's an itch or a disease. I'm not sure which. Um, But I need to podcast. And I'm glad I'm doing it with you, Carl. Me too, because Joe Hogan's the worst to have to podcast with. (laughs) I'm just kidding. That's why I'm never on when he's (laughs) joining the show. (laughs) No, I love that guy. He he came up big because I know you got crazy busy like out of nowhere last week. So I kind of gave Joe like a 16-hour notice, and luckily he was available. So I also changed up the topic because I was like, all right, we need something light and fun. And Joe and I love talking Star Wars toys when we hang out on Skype. So it's like, this is perfect. (laughs) There you go. Works for me. And I can't wait to go back and listen to it because I like Star Wars toys, too. (laughs) (laughs) I figured you might. Yeah. Um, But uh, I am I am so excited to, uh, you know, kind of kick off festivities. Obviously, we are going to release this on Star Wars Day Eve. So May the 3rd. but we are one day away from Star Wars fandom's unofficial official holiday, which I, of course, love. And in Thanksgiving for another great year of Star Wars fandom, of course, we want to give back to you, our faithful listeners, our Larians, and um, you all sent in some great questions that we're going to dive into on this particular episode. Um, but before we do, um, I a couple of quick little things. And the first thing I want to hit just uh, to, just to start the show off again with a big thank you is we we've been hitting a little bit more directly in, on the show in the last few months. Um, you know, go ahead and you know head, head over to iTunes, write us a review. You know, just give us a rating. And, and folks have really been responding well to that. And and we've gotten nothing but five star reviews as as of the last couple of months, which um, we're very very thankful for. So I just want to give a quick shout out to the the couple folks who took the time to write some really, really kind reviews. Um, first one goes to Mr. Punches. Then we have um, N3 Vorg, Zinner Fonda, and Darth Obi-Wong, which I love that name. It's great. <laughs> um, <laughs> so thank you specifically for taking the time to, to write reviews for the show. It's, it's really, really appreciated. Um, and everyone else who even just took the time to, to give us a star review, really appreciate it again it's just super helpful because it keeps uh keeps the show kind of higher up in the queue among star wars podcasts and as jason and i both have said for years now there are so many wonderful star wars podcasts but we certainly love the little project that we do and we hopefully you do too so you want to help us share the love 
Oh yes. Share the love. Yeah. And so again, thank you for, for leaving those reviews and for everyone who's left us ratings. We have gotten a lot of ratings in the last month or two. Um, we're all the way up to like 93. Let's get to 100 before solo. Maybe question mark. Ooh. Um, Goals are what move the world forward. (laughs) That and a healthy dose of Jar Jar. (laughs) Oh, boy. Um, (laughs) You're so making me blush. Um, (laughs) Anywho. um, And just like that... We're getting one star reviews. Um, hey, you know, I mean, we've we've really been pushing the envelope, and luckily, I think if anybody's like, "Oh my god, Jar Jar again," they just turn it off and they're like, "I'm not going to waste my time with a review." I, I'm sure everybody hates them. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, everybody knows here that I love Jar Jar, and I've worn Carl down to the place where he enjoys Jar Jar too. So, uh, love him. Oh, well, good. I didn't <laughs> want to speak for you. You know. Um, but Jason, before we hop into the the Larian questions, um, we did have a, a matchup which we we put together a couple weeks ago, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, a team bounty hunter matchup of my boy Embo with a guy you really like, Mister Cad Bane. My boy, taking my on boy, Cad Bane, <laughs> taking on the Fets, Django and Boba. Mm-hmm. And um, again, in light of just how crazy both of our weeks have been. Um, I know Jason, you didn't have time to get you know all the the written responses. You just kind of did a quick tally. But that being said, what did the Larians have to say about this particular matchup, my friend? Yes, well, they they said some wonderful things. So I, I want to just make sure I, I recognize the fact that everybody wrote in some some great stuff and some fun comments for this matchup. I just didn't have time this week with all the craziness at the new position at work and everything to. Um, sort through and collect all of those. So I just tallied everybody up and right now we stand with the Larry and tally at nine for Cad Bane and Embo and four for team Fett. So what do you say, Carl? I mean, that's to be fair, there could be a new listener today. So I don't want to say, you know, but I mean, you do know Jason, <laughs> I do. but uh, anyone who's a longtime listener is going to know. Obviously I got to go with, uh, I know somebody wrote in, I, I want to say it was Brandon Boylan. I could be wrong, but who said like, Carl, we don't even need your boy Embo in this Cad Bane wins on his own. I would say the reverse. <laughs> we don't need Cad Bane. Embo wins on his own. <laughs> oh, so, I know. oh, oh yeah. that hurts. Yeah. That hurts. And nothing against Cad Bane or the Fets. I love all four of these bounty hunters, but Embo's my man. And, um, <laughs> yeah, they, they, they definitely win this one. Um, and to be fair, to break it down in the universe, why I actually think they would win, besides the fact that I just love Embo, um, I think that the both Embo and Cad Bane have just their fighting styles are much more direct than the Fets. Um, the Fets are like, I mean, they're they're Inspector Gadgets, right? They have their gadgets are what help them win fights. But I think the 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 wherewithal, the smarts, and the um, the genius of Cad Bane and Embo would be far too much for the Fets. Um, and yeah, I mean, as much as I'm not a, like Cad Bane's not my favorite bounty hunter. I mean, the dude is, is pretty legit. I mean, he takes on Jedis in hand to hand combat and, and does well. I mean, yeah, he doesn't usually win, but he does well. Um, Mm -hmm. Embo does pretty darn well every time he fights. And I mean, yeah, the the hardest thing is the Fets are going to have their little, uh, rocket packs, but I feel like Embo's just going to like throw his hat at 
had it both of them and be like, boom, you're on our, you're on our turf now, boys. And then just tear it up. <laughs> so anyway, I'm done. That's why I think they would, uh, I do, I do really think they'd win. So, and well, I'm and going to agree with you to be fair real quick. Cause I, I, I remember uh, our good friend, Mike Cohen put this out there. He says the Fets both go down like punks as opposed to Cad Bane and Embo for as all as we know are still out collecting bounties. <laughs> so and to be fair embo well, is spoiler alert embo is in the aftermath trilogy so well um it's i think technically canon now yeah the aftermath <clears> trilogy <throat> is canon it's the new canon. <laughs> no 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 oh. the um the clone wars arc where boba was supposed to have had a shown showdown with cad bane that's right and walked away yeah i think that's technically canon but the uh, episodes were never finished, so I'm not 100% certain on that. Right. Well, I'm sure Boba didn't quite finish the job either. <laughs> he would have died, but Dented Helmet saved his life. Um, so, anywho. Um, I'm totally going to agree with you, though. I, I'm going to go with uh, Cad Bane and Embo on this one. Um, I think, and my, here's my reasoning. Um, the Fets are going to fight almost identically. Um, not just because Boba is a clone of Django, but because they share the same mentality. They have the same approach to combat. Um, and so they're going to be in sync and nearly identical, which works in their favor to some extent. However, I think Cad Bane and Embo have a broader range of abilities and skill sets and, are able to complement each other better. And so their skill sets are more complementary, uh, allowing them to have a broader array of attacks, uh, which I think would um, ultimately take down the Fets. Now, to be fair, while the Fets do have their jetpacks, Cad Bane has those rocket boots. So that's right. Um, I don't, I don't think they go as fast um, and far as the jetpacks, but he can get some airborne attacks in too. So, yeah, his rocket boots are essentially just Star Wars version of of uh, moon boots. You know that those toys mm. <laughs> that kids wear. <laughs> oh yes, um, I like I like boots. Anyway, um, but yeah, that gives a final tally of eleven for Cad Bane and Embo, and four for Django and Boba Fett. So, and. If you guys have listened to the show for a while, you do know that at least I consider Boba Fett to be an overrated character, so I might be slightly biased in my answer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't disagree. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, yeah, they look awesome, but Boba does nothing. So um, anyway, but thank you Anywho. as always for, for participating in the matchup. Um and and all the fun responses and again apologies we didn't have time to read them all so yes um real quick though jason i i and i know this this episode is dedicated to our larians and and we're going to get to that in a, in a few minutes here but i just i want to take just a couple of quick minutes to just hit some of the highlights from the solo feature that we got this week because my goodness buddy everything i'm seeing about this the more and more I see about this film, the more and more I'm getting excited. And I'm trying so hard to tr like temper it a little bit so that I don't 
walk out super disappointed. I'm not saying I will, but just so that I don't. But I can't help it. Uh-huh. Like it looks so good and so fun. And this featurette again, we got. I would say like eighty percent of the footage we got in this featurette from the film itself is new. Yeah, there's a lot of new stuff. There's a lot of extended stuff from a few segments of the of the film that we've seen bits and pieces of in the trailers, but there's more extended uh, looks at some of those sequences, particularly the, the, what I assume will be the opening sequence where he's racing through the streets in that speeder. Um, And uh, when it looks like he has his short lived Imperial career. Yeah. Yeah. So getting thrown around by explosions and walkers and everything, you know, Right. Well, and, and apparently, um, so I've, I've got to quickly give credit to my, to my friend Greg, who's been on the show several times. But, you know, Greg was saying that he feels like that, that battle we see Han in, where he's in that ATST style trooper helmet with his big gun, um, he feels like that's going to be the Battle of Mimbin. We know we're getting the planet Mimbin in the solo film. And Mimbin is also, for any of you who don't know, is the planet that Splinter of the Mind's Eye takes place on, which is by far the worst Star Wars book ever written. If you haven't read it, don't waste your time. Um, so, that's so, <laughs> me, so me and a group of friends out here, we decided to try to do a Star Wars book club. And uh, we were like, you know, because it was its 40th anniversary a couple months ago. So we're like, let's do it. Let's let's re-splinter the mind's eye. And oh, my God, is it bad? Like, there are a few parts that are kind of fun. But overall, it sucks. <laughs> um, and I mean, again, I'm sure people loved it when it first came out because it's all you had besides A New Hope. Um, but uh, I think it does. He does. Um, Alan Dean Foster really doesn't understand Leia at all. <laughs> so he, he totally butchers her character, in my opinion. But that being said, the entire novel takes place on the planet Mimbin, um, which is like a really dark kind of muddy planet. And it seems to be what that could very well be the battle that's happening in this featurette. And we've seen it in the trailers as well. But um, again, my friend Greg thinks that this is like Han, like getting kind of like Finn in Force Awakens, like seeing battle seeing what they're fighting for and deciding this is stupid. I like, I don't agree with this type of a thing. Um, I, I really like, yeah. I, I like that, that, that take Greg has. I think that's a really cool point. Yeah. Um, of course it could also be, he's undercover, you know, doing stuff, but you know, we will have to wait and see. Right. Well, we also see, because it, it looks like we have uh, Beckett in some sort of Imperial outfit and, later on in the featurette. So, and same with that. Yeah, the, there's that little yeah. shot where it's Beckett, Vale, and Han all hanging out together in Imperial uniforms. So, again, I feel like yeah. they're all in the military. They know each other, and later on, Beckett is looking for a crew, and he looks up Han because he knows what Han's capable of. That's entirely possible. So, so uh, what else do you want to pick out of this, this featurette, just, other than it's just fun and it's nice oh, to hear yeah. them talk about yeah, yeah. Uh, where Han's at? Yeah, well, so the biggest thing that really stood out to me again, and if any of you watched the Star Wars show on StarWars.com, um, they had Ron Howard on today, um, and they showed some of the shots of him goofing around with George Lucas on the set of The Falcon, which was really funny. Um, and and <laughs> I, need to watch I love listening to Ron Howard talk about the way he understands his film and how he understands Star Wars. Like, 
and I know this is a very subjective thing, and, and this is kind of language that's been thrown around a lot lately since the Disney era, but it, I would just say Ron Howard really seems to understand Star Wars. And what I mean by that is in the interview, he makes this point about how, you know, he's always been a fan of Star Wars, but like, you know, when you're watching it as an observer, you just kind of take things for granted in a sense. He goes, but when you're sitting down to make the film, you realize, oh my gosh, there's, you know, there's, there's magic in this film though. But then there's like these Westerns and then there's like these character dramas. He's just kind of like hitting on the fact that, you know, what has always made Star Wars so wonderful is the fact that it, it's just kind of this beautiful combination of all these great you know, different genres and, and rolled into one. And, and Ron is very, apparently we're on first name basis. Um, and, uh, you know, <laughs> Ron Howard's mentioning how when he sat down to actually start putting the film together, he, he talks about a little bit of, you know, how complicated it is to really get all of those elements of star Wars actually working together. And I, I just, I really respect his humility in saying it. he doesn't say like, Oh my God, it was impossible. He's just saying, he really talks about it with such a, a respect for how you do that, how you build a Star Wars film. And, and I just I loved the, the the reverence in a way he kind of gave to the understanding of how we make a Star Wars film. So but anyway, that's I, a different thing, which apparently yeah, I know yeah. you probably didn't have time to watch today because you were actually working a lot harder than me. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, the, but the thing that Ron Howard hit on a lot and, and I think it, this is really well explored in the featurette is Ron Howard talks a lot about how the movie's ultimately about the characters, right? It's about these character relationships and how those relationships ultimately form Han. The thing I loved in the featurette, and again, they've been doing this also quick side note, Ron Howard said in the interview today that the trailers are the perfect encapsulation of the feel of the movie, which made me really excited. Um, he said that he's been really Good. proud of the way the, the, the trailers have come out because they, they really do encapsulate the feeling of the film. Um, but the thing in the featurette that immediately struck me is they're talking about how this is a different world. Like it's essentially the Star Wars galaxy is living under oppression, but there's this free spirit and Han. So I love again, like to me, this the the thesis statement, if you will, of the the solo film is going to be Han is someone who's living. Um, you know, he is a character who's longing for freedom in a culture of oppression. And I think while in a way this is going to be probably one of the most fun star Wars films we'll have ever seen. There is, I just, I love this beautiful reality of the sense that it's a film about a man, a character, a human being who's longing for freedom, even though they live in a world of oppression. Um, and you know, I just, I just think that that is just such a deep human truth, a deep human mythological story about longing for something more, especially something more than the oppression you feel. And I think, you know, again, there's there's nothing more human than feeling oppressed from literal oppression from like, you know, social injustice to even just oppression of battling with, you know, things that keep you locked up. Right. Like it, it just oh, my God, I just like I I sunk my teeth into the into them saying that at the beginning of this feature. I'm like, yes, like I want to see this. I want to see a character who's trying to be something more but is struggling against oppression like, oh, that's so good. Yeah. And the the interesting thing is how what it's going to be is where does Han end up mm-hmm. at the end of this? Because he's a very cynical person by the time we meet him in A New Hope. Right. He's, you know, kind of receded into the background a little bit. He's still his own man, but he's, you know, going to just flirt around the edges of, of the Empire. He doesn't want to deal with, with them and doesn't want to have to get involved at all with the larger 
conflicts. So it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, while this looks like a really fun movie and uh, he's obviously a character who's, who's looking to make his mark and to rise above. I am wondering if there's going to be something that doesn't, that keeps him from, you know, just, just keeps him from making it yeah. to where he wants to be. Sure. And so that's when he wanders off into the sunset, so to speak, with Chewie at his side saying, well, at least we got each other, you know, sort of a thing. Yeah. So. Well, that leads me to the next little point I want to quickly hit. The featurette has that little scene with Han standing next to Chewie. Chewie doesn't have his bandolier on yet. And he's Chewie roars, you know, Chewie does, you know, his sissy rook talk. I don't know if that's how you actually say it, sissy rook, but. um, uh, That's a totally different alien. No, I, I uh, thought that was the name of the Wookiee language, Sissy Rook. No. No, that's an alien. Yeah, bloody heck. Um, um, it's anyway. Shri Wook. Shri Wook, okay. Anyway, but Chewie says something. What? I love that Han says, like, yeah, uh, we're going to have to think of a nickname because I ain't calling you that. So I'm wondering <laughs> if um, Chewbacca is not indeed his f- – or is a shortened version of his name or not his full name? I'm just curious because I know one of the rumors that was floating around early, early on when this film was announced was that we were going to learn Han's actual name, that Solo is a name he takes on later. It doesn't sound I, – I, and a lot of people didn't like that. They're like, no, like his name needs to be Han Solo. George named him that for a reason, right, because he's, he's this archetypal character. Um, and I hope that that's still the case. I hope that Han doesn't have a name besides Solo. But I'm wondering if maybe it, actually it's Chewie. Chewie has like a longer name, but Han shortens it to Chewbacca or Chewie. Because um, to be fair, he doesn't ever call him Chewbacca. He always calls him Chewie. So maybe he is calling him Chewie as the nickname for Chewbacca. Maybe that's where he gets it. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't seen possible. it yet. <laughs> I think what would be more interesting um, for Han is if you know he – Grew up an orphan and never knew his name and oh. took the name Han Solo. Nice. Yeah. That could be. Yeah. So Han is always identified that way. Also, yes. very interesting. good point, my friend. Um, but the uh, I think that's it. No, no. One last thing. If you if you haven't watched it yet, again, go watch this featurette. But if you have go back and watch the moment at one minute, 14 seconds where Han says a great pilot with his finger like pointing at you. It looks exactly the body language is exactly how Harrison Ford plays Han Solo in so many moments of Empire Strikes Back. So, yeah. you know, so again, like, yeah, Alden certainly doesn't sound anything like Harrison Ford. He's a different human being. Um, and again, you don't want somebody just impersonating the voice of another actor. But the body language in that little shot is like so Harrison Ford's way of playing Han Solo. Yeah, it is. It is. The the way he, he gets his finger up and in, in, I think that's Beckett's face. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's totally Harrison uh, or Han, I should say. Yeah. But yeah, no, it, 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 it's the, the characterization of Han Solo is coming through in these clips. I know Alden is playing Han. He's not impersonating Harrison Ford. He's playing Han Solo. And I, there's a big distinction in that. Um, and, and I can definitely see the work that they have put into making sure that this is, Han Solo and not just a caricature of Harrison Ford. Right. So, yeah. Um, 
Makes me happy. Me too. Me too. I just, oh my gosh, Jason, I can't wait for this movie. <laughs> um, well, we don't have to wait too long. No, we it's really don't. Months. Yeah. And, 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 you know, the rumor <laughs> is that on May 4th, we're going to finally get the ticket sales out. Um, and also the rumor for May 4th this year is that we'll get the announcement of the next celebration. So, again, no, I know. I'm all super rumors, excited about both of those. For all we know, that's about as true as Jodo Cast is the son of Jaboba Fett. Oh, that's an inside <laughs> le- legends joke. Woohoo! <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, Jason, what do you say we uh, hop on to some of these uh, Larian inquiries? Uh, well, let's do it. I, I, I think we've kept the Larians waiting long enough. Yes. Um, so. I'm going to start reading this because I thought about just reading the questions themselves. But um, so this is coming in from from a friend, uh, James Capron, who's been on the show in the past. Uh, on, he he had the the episode with where we talked about Jin's character development. It was a great episode. James has such a mind for Star Wars, such a such great insight. He often sends us wonderful emails in response to the shows, and we suck at responding. So sorry, James, but he has such a great mind for Star Wars. So. Um, he sets up the questions really well, so I feel like we need to read this. Jason, I'll read paragraph one. You get paragraph two, okay? It'll be like, you know, like in school, like popcorn Jason. <laughs> all right. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> so James says, in my opinion, there are a lot of similar elements between the prequels and the animated shows, but one of those is characters, creatures, aliens, and even dialogue humor that younger audience members really enjoy such as Jar Jar, quirky battle droids, unorthodox CGI creatures and aliens, and some cheesy dialogue or slapstick humor. Popcorn Jason. All right. Uh, What I've noticed, uh, though, with a small subset of fans who do not like these younger audience elements is that they make those elements their focus of the prequels and completely disparage all three films. On the contrary, these particular fans dismiss these elements or even entire episodes in the animated shows and focus only on the episodes that they love. As a result, they end up comparing the prequels in their entirety to the best episodes of Clone Wars and Rebels. And some fans have the opposite mindset, focusing on the parts of the prequels that they love and then dismiss the animated shows in their entirety because of a couple of episodes that they don't like. Popcorn Carl! Oh, boy! (laughs) He continues, I know I'm generalizing, and I don't say this to disparage either the prequels or the animated shows. In all reality, my top four is Rogue One, Revenge of the Sith, Clone Wars, and Rebels. So both the prequels and animated shows are obviously very important to me. Here are my questions. So, again, I, I think James is making a great point of just saying... In a nutshell, some folks who hate the prequels, right, they, they hate it for all these, like, quirky little things, the CGI, the slapstick, goofy humor, the young audience stuff. But then they'll love the Clone Wars, but be happily overlook those elements of, you know, the animated shows. Um, so I, I think he's onto a great point here. So here are his questions. Mm-hmm. Number one, do you think some fans would enjoy the prequels more if they had the same mindset with them as they do with Clone Wars and Rebels, i.e. not fighting what they hate? but saving what they love. <laughs> um, I, I think that's a, a great way to approach it, which um, is honestly something I try to approach everything Star Wars. I automatically, when I go into Star Wars, whatever it is, um, I go in with the expectation, I'm going to like this. Um, because it's Star Wars, it's fun, and it's also fiction. It's not necessarily anything too serious. Um, now, you can get serious into it, and we do on this show. But I go into it with the, the mindset of, this is going to be fun, I'm going to enjoy myself, 
I like Star Wars, so I'm going to like this. And then things sort of shake up and down the list based on what's in it, what I the elements I like from whatever it's if it's an episode of the TV show or a movie or whatever. And that that's where the list of favorites shakes out. But I automatically just go in saying, I'm going to enjoy myself with this. And I think if people, you know, tried to enjoy the prequels the way that they go in to enjoy the the Clone Wars and Rebels, uh, for those who enjoy the TV series but not the prequels, I think from that mindset they would benefit. And also, if they do really enjoy the Clone Wars and Rebels, those feed in directly from the prequels. So there's a lot of stuff. So if you haven't watched the prequels in a while, but you have kept up with a TV series, go back and watch the prequels and see how much of that lore has its base in episodes one and two in particular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a great response, Jason. I, 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 you know, I think, um, you know, I think uh, the fans that, that don't like the prequels, but do enjoy Clone Wars and Rebels, um, I think that I'm going to focus more here on Rebels because I think that has more to do with the prequels than than Re- excuse me, Clone Wars has more to do with the prequels than Rebels. I also think Clone Wars, um, as much as I I loved Rebels, I think Clone Wars is a superior series mainly because it has you know obviously a lot more time to develop itself. Um, but I do I I just I don't know they just they do so much great stuff with Clone Wars and I they, it's so good and I think. If you really hate the prequels, I just I don't get it because Clone Wars wouldn't exist without them. Like you said, Jason, it's 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 all the new mythology. It's all the new story arcs that we got from the prequels that are then further explored and fleshed out in Clone Wars. And like you just said, I think if you really love Clone Wars and then go back and watch specifically episodes two and three and one, I mean, all the prequels, I think the Clone Wars also, you know, enhance what we get in the prequels. So, um you know, I just think, like the prequels are designed to enhance what we got in the original trilogy, the TV shows are supposed to enhance the prequels and and then Rebels with the original trilogy as well. So, right, yeah. Um, he goes on to ask, "Do you think the prequels would have been received better if it were a TV series, whether live action or animated?" Maybe. Um, that that's such a hypothetical though. Sure. Uh because I I only know them as films. Um and they they'd have to really be, you know, reworked and if you're going to put them on TV, but maybe uh because it would have been a different medium and a different medium tends to soften the blow um when you're dealing with something like this. You know, if it's something, you know, that's taking a a different, a different look, a different take at an already existing franchise. If you change the medium up, that softens the blow of that different take. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're seeing it again with the sequel trilogy. I mean, it's totally happening all over again um, because we've gotten, we've had the original trilogy. We've had the prequels for over 20 years now. Um, most of it anyways. Um so we've had time to marinate with the prequels and digest them. But now we've got the sequel trilogy happening again and the whole cycle is repeating itself. You know, it, it, there's such a, a resistance to it because 
it's taking a new look at it, a new take at it, mm-hmm. but it's still doing it within the same medium, mm-hmm. which I think if you were supposed, I think if you were doing a TV series following Return of the Jedi, you wouldn't have had so much of a a stink put up. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, and, and so I don't think the prequels actually would have been received any better had they been a TV series, because I think you, if they're going to be prequels, they in a way kind of have to be films, right? If they're going to, if mm-hmm. when George is like, I'm going to go back and tell the backstory. Yeah. We would expect that to be films. So, um, I don't know that they would have been received any better had they not been, you know, that, that just would have been a bigger uproar, I think. So, well, the other thing is if, you know, maybe they're not received, maybe they're received better, but they are received by a smaller audience. Right. Too. Sure. So that there, there's your drawback. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, do you want me to get the next, next question here? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, he continues. Do you think the younger audience elements were generally, generally received better in clone wars and rebels because they were in the form of animation? Yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're, uh, yeah, they're, I would agree with yeah, that. They're cartoons. And I think you can get away with a lot more in a cartoon, just like the sense, right. That in rebels, um, you know, one of my big complaints early on in Rebels was I couldn't stand Ezra because I found him way too powerful, considering where he exists in the timeline, right? Just a few years before A New Hope. Um, but then I just try to remember that, like, even in the Clone Wars, like, these Jedi are all, like, they're all, like, in a way, superheroes. We, we see them doing crazy, ridiculous stunts that we never see in the films. Um, right. And part of that, again, is because it's the type of storytelling it is. And I think, in a way, cartoons, they can embellish more. They can they can go a little bit further because it's meant to be a little bit more fantastical. And when you have kind of these goofier elements, well, yeah, you expect sign of a goofiness and silliness in an animated series, maybe as opposed to, you know, a film medium. Right. I, I definitely would agree with that. Yeah. Um, all right, let's see. Do we as fans, his next question, do we as fans hold the films to a higher standard than the animated series? Uh, I would say probably. A resounding yeah, I would yes. Say it, it, <laughs> generally, generally speaking, yes. Right. There are those who definitely will you know, do their best to um, keep everything to the same standard, but there's a lot, a large segment of the, the general star Wars fandom that doesn't care as much if it's an animated form, book form, video game form, the movies will be the end all be all because that's where it started. Exactly. Yeah. I would say um, in a way I'd almost break it down like this, especially now with everything we have. And again, this is obviously a general statement. I could be completely off, but I, I think this would be accurate. I think the films are definitely held to the highest standard, specifically now the saga films are going to be held to the higher standard. You mm-hmm. know, people that didn't like Rogue One, and there are people that didn't like Rogue One, you didn't hear the level of hate that you did for Last Jedi. Um, and I think in large part that's because it's not a saga film. And even, you, I mean, right, you still have a lot of naysayers about Solo, like, um, you know, just this isn't a story I want to see. I don't, I don't think Alden's going to do a good job, this, that, and the other thing. Right. And right now, nobody knows for sure because nobody's seen it. Um, but even if it comes down as a, you know, massive failure in the eyes of the general community, 
I think in a way there's more leniency than like if episode nine comes out next year and it flops, people are going to be like, that's ridiculous. Like the sequel trilogy sucks. It destroyed Star Wars, right? You're not going to get that. If Solo fails, no one's going to say Star Wars is ruined. And you, to be fair, yes, you'll get some of those jerks that will. But um, those are just negative Nancys that like to be negative. Um, but right. that's the way I almost see it now, right? Is I think that the saga films are held to the highest standard, then these standalones, then probably the animated series, then all the other mediums, whether it be comics, books, or whatever. Yeah. And whenever we do get the live action TV series, I think those will generally take precedence over the animated TV series. Yeah. Um, simply because it's live action. Sure. Now, I ne- is that necessarily, you know, does that really mean anything? Um, you know, when you're putting the two side by side animated or live action? Probably not. They probably put the same amount of work into the stories, whether it is live action or animated. Um, but that's just the way people, you know, tend to, to view things in film and television. Right. You know, what we need is we need somebody to make a cool, you know how they have the, uh, the food pyramid, right. With like, yes, you know, the way you're supposed to eat, how many of the foods you're supposed to, we should get somebody to make a star Wars media, <laughs> um, uh, pyramid <laughs> with like, you know, like the, the biggest the thing different that tiers. You, yeah. The different tiers, the thing that you need the most of and to be the healthiest at the base is, you know, the, the saga films then, right. So somebody should make that graphic. That'd be fun. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be amusing. I'd like it. Um, um, but, and then, yeah, James has one last question. James's final question here. Do you think the prequels expanded the definition of the quote unquote Star Wars feeling, which I know is different for everyone, and as a result allowed us to enjoy Rebels and Clone Wars more, or vice versa? Yeah, I, I think everything expands that Star Wars feeling, um, specifically the things you liked, right? Um, I. I to be fair, when the prequels came out, right, like when Phantom Menace hit, there was a lot of people that hated it because they said this doesn't feel like Star Wars, right? Well, the thing, like, they're like, this goofiness, that's not Star Wars. Jar Jar, he's not Star Wars. Um, but yeah, I think they definitely expanded the definition of Star Wars feeling. Um, and like we've kind of already talked about, I think as a res- the, the prequels specifically allow us to enjoy Clone Wars specifically and even Rebels. Um and vice versa, I would say Clone Wars specifically enhances our enjoyment of the prequels. Yeah, um, I, I definitely would agree. The, the That Star Wars feeling, it's such a nebulous thing um, that people can you know basically put on everything that they like and say that everything they don't like is not Star Wars, you know. Um, but... They they can they constantly want to expand what they can do with that Star Wars feeling, and while still remaining faithful to to the stuff that's come before, um, the prequels definitely did it. The prequels had the the hardest road to hoe in that regard because it was the first one to really branch out um, in any meaningful way, um, and I do think that. Because of that, because it branched out like that, it allowed for fans to really enjoy things like Clone Wars and Rebels and, uh, for some of us, the the sequel trilogy. You know, it's not my favorite of the trilogies, but I'm enjoying it. So, um, and <laughs> Carl and I are certainly getting excited about Solo, so that's exciting. And Rogue One was phenomenal. Um, I mean, it's in my top three Star Wars movies, so... It is an expanded Star Wars feeling, although it was rather close to the original. So, 
mm-hmm. just due to its place in the saga. Yeah. Anywho. Great, um, great questions, James. So thank you for sending all of those. Yes. Yes. Thank you, James, for that. Um, do you want me to take the next one or you want to take the next one? Uh, you can. Go ahead. All right. Brandon Boylan asks, question, what Star Wars movie has aged the best and worst? Which Disney films do you think will fall into each category? Okay. So this is obviously a very subjective question. Carl, which Star Wars movie do you think has aged the best and aged the worst? Uh, I would say best is definitely Empire. I mean, yes, it is subjective. I also, But I do think there is some ob- objectivity in that. The fact that it's for you know almost forty years been most people's favorite Star Wars film. I think it is. It's the tightest story. It has some of the best acting, some of the best script writing. Um, yes, all of those things are subjective in a way, but I do just think that Empire really has, uh, and I think A New Hope is, is shortly below it just because it was its first. But I think um, Empire has definitely aged the best. What do you think? Um, I, I'd say Empire is definitely up there. Um, if I wanted to go outside the box, I think Phantom Menace has aged well enough. Mm-hmm. Um, probably aged the best out of the prequels. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, Empire is just such a well put together movie technically, and as far as the the scripting and the acting and everything, that it's hard to beat Empire. Um, so I I would say empire, you know, obviously, but I'm going to put Phantom Menace in that category as, as probably the, the prequel movie that is, um, aged best. Nice. Um, which one do you think is aged the worst? Definitely attack of the clones. Um, (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. And it's not because I don't, I mean, it is my least favorite star Wars film. Um, but I just think it's because it's because of the fact that it was, Really, I mean, it was the first Star Wars film to really one of the first films in general to really do like so heavy CGI work that I think in 2002, it definitely looked good for its time, but it does not age well. It look, I think so much of that film looks terrible. Like it looks like a computer game. Um, so I think that'll continue to age the worst because of technology. That being said, I understand that a new hopes technology is very dated. But there's some, there's a timelessness to the fact that it's the original Star Wars that will ne- that'll allow for those flaws to always be a happy, beautiful thing. Whereas something like Attack of the Clones, it's like I think it's really where people started to say like George doesn't care about story anymore, just about pushing the film envelope. Now I don't think that that's just like really true, but I think George did become he right he really want he he was such an innovative filmmaker that he was all about the technology. And I just, I really don't think attack of the clones holds up very well visually. Um, there are things that do look great. Like Camino looks phenomenal. Um, but I'm thinking of a lot of Coruscant, like even that opening shot of them flying into Coruscant into the clouds. I'm like, this just looks like a really good cut scene from a computer game. Like it doesn't look real at all. So that's why I just think it ages the worst, but that's my opinion. What do you think? Um, of the prequels, honestly, if I was being honest and subjective, I would probably agree. However, I'm not honest and subjective in this. So, <laughs> Jason's um, a liar and objective. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I, I'm I'm going to be completely uh, 
honest to say, I, I, I'm, I think Attack the Clones is pretty good. Uh, but um, no, I, of the prequels, you're probably right. There, there's some technology used in that movie that is definitely recognizable as being early 2000s, early digital filmmaking. Um, and anything early in its infancy is going to be recognizable. Right. Especially a couple of years down the road. Right. Um, and, and I think Attack of the Clones got on the bandwagon by being the movie to really push that technology forward. But because it pushed it forward, it's rather obvious. Um, however, I still think it looks amazing and is a fun movie and I love it to pieces. That being said, I'm going to make a, a claim here that everyone is going to start, you know, flinging thermal detonators in my direction. I'm going to say, um, a new hope is aged the worst. Mm. And um, I'm going to say primarily because of the pacing of the first half of the movie. Um, it's, it's still in that era that it is considered a classic and the prequels haven't aged, you know, been around that long to even be remotely considered a classic anymore. You know, right. at this point yet, they're, they're not right. old enough. Right. Um, a new hope is old enough to be considered a classic and therefore is viewed through different eyes by some people. And, uh, but when you compare the pacing of a new hope, particularly the first half of the movie on Tatooine, it takes a long time to get going. And even if you compare that to the rest of the star Wars films, it really takes a while to get moving. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that is why and, – and some of the effects, but I'm not really focused on the visual aspect of it. But I'm just saying from a storytelling aspect and the pacing aspect, mm -hmm. while it was fast-paced for its time, it's still slow for Star Wars. And so that's why I'm going to say it's age the worst. Right. Well, it's also slow for modern action films, right? Ad action adventure yes. films. Um, but no, I think those are all valid points. And because, you know, Jason, obviously you and I did not grow up in the 70s and we don't have, you know, a new hope in that sacred hierarchy um, like, you know, some fans do, which is fair. You know, I, mm -hmm. I, I have no qualms agreeing with a lot of what you, I, I think those are all great points. So, I mean, a new hope is my least favorite of uh, the originals. It's not even that high in my list. So <laughs> I love it, but it's not one of my favorites. Um, right. So I feel like Steve Glosson is just like hovering over my shoulder, waiting to smack me now. Um, yeah, he's probably not the only one, but that's okay. I got you back. Which of the Disney films? So, and we have a very small sample exactly. size. We got three. Right. Um, well, I think it's of these three. Yeah. Which you think will age best and age worst? Definitely best will be last Jedi. The more I watch that film, the more I'm coming to love it. Um, you know, to be fair, it hasn't moved up my rankings at all, even though I am liking it more and more every time I watch it. Um, and the reason it's not moving up is because be just because of lots of reasons about what I love about Star Wars and what, um, you know, it, for that reason. So it's it's not because I think that the film's inherently flawed and horrible. I mean, there are definitely flaws in that movie, no doubt about it. But I think it will age the best. I think it has the most complexity of debatably any Star Wars film. Um which in some ways I think is also uh, a bit of its while it's incredible. It's also a bit to its discredit. In my opinion, I think it's, in, it's in a way it's too smart of a star Wars film. 
And I don't mean to say that people that don't like it are stupid or that if you don't get it, you're stupid. Um, I just think Ryan Johnson, the type of filmmaker he is, is very different than a George Lucas filmmaker for all sorts of reasons. But what the biggest thing is Ryan Johnson is a modern day indie filmmaker. George Lucas was kind of that in the seventies, but that meant a very different thing to me. Ryan Johnson, he was a, he was a documentary filmmaker making science fiction movies, right? Whereas Ryan Johnson is in a way, a postmodernist making postmodern films. Um, yeah, which I, I know that's a loaded thing to say. I say all that to say, though, I do think Last Jedi will age the best of what we have right now. Certainly much better than Force Awakens um, because of its intelligence and its its depth. And um, it really is like a fine wine. Like you sip a movie like that. You can't just guzzle it down because you'll miss so much. Um, and the more I'm watching it, the more I'm picking up and the more I'm enjoying it and the more I'm understanding the genius that went into writing that film. Um, but it's, there's a complexity to it that I think is just very different to the complexities of other Star Wars films. All Star Wars films are complex in their own way. Last Jedi just has a different kind of complexity, not better or worse, different. Um, but I do think it'll age the best. What about you? Um, age the best. I'm going to go with Rogue One, uh, because it is such a tight, well put together story. And in my opinion, is just phenomenal. Now, I might be slightly biased in this, but I think Rogue One is really going to age well. And people are going to look back and go, oh, that was actually a really good movie, you know, um, especially when they start putting it with A New Hope. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you watch the two together, that speeds up A New Hope a bit, you know. Uh, it it kind of gives you a little bit of extra oomph going into, you know, the transition between films. Um, and so for that reason, I think. Rogue One will age uh, the best out of the three we've got so far because it is such a well-put-together story with a tight group of characters, um, and it doesn't have to rely on other films in order to make sense as much. So, mm-hmm. um, And I don't know if we can necessarily say which will age the worst at this point out of these three. Um, do you so want to try tackling that or do I, you want to, I do, as much as I love Rogue One, I think that'll, I think that'll age the worst. Um, because oh, actually really? I think it is a really choppy story for so much of it. Um, I don't think it's such a really okay. concise story is, and I did, I mean, I love that movie. It's in my top five. Um, but I have noticed that actually in the last few months, as I watch it more, I love the beginning. I love the end, but some of that middle star, I kind of just kind of get bored of it because it's all over the place. Um, so as much as I love it and I will always love it mainly, I mean, even if you just take that third act, I mean, it is so good and it is so perfect, but I think it takes a while to get there. So some of like the valid points you made about a new hopes pacing, I think rogue one suffers even harder, not because it's just slow pacing, it's bad pacing. Um, it's, it's kind of all over the place. So as much as I love rogue one, I think it will actually of what we have right now. It'll age the worst. Okay, well, here's the funny thing. I think Last Jedi is going to age <laughs> I the worst. I had a feeling you'd say that, yeah. Um, and here's why. Because it is so dense. Mm. There is so much in it that it gets itself waterlogged. Mm. And if you're just looking for a fun movie to enjoy, you're never going to put Last Jedi in. Yeah, that's fair. You know, Because it is so – it is long. You'll probably put in Solo. <laughs> <laughs> that's true it is a very long movie there's some great stuff that happens in it 
but there is also just a ton of stuff that happens. And it, you just when you start to think the movie is winding down, you got 20, 30 minutes of crate, um, which is probably my favorite part of the movie, but it takes an eternity to get there. Mm. Um, and so I think um, because of its density, and if you want to take the time to explore that, there's plenty of stuff to keep you busy for a long time, which is awesome if, if that's what you want to do. But I think as far as just aging, I think that's going to be its detriment and its downfall. Uh, Force Awakens falls into this category where it's not really super great or super bad in any of those regards. So it it's, just kind of hangs out. It's safe, right? I mean, um, that's the, it's, it's the, safe. The criticism safe. it got, right? Like it was a safe film. So yeah, it it's, safe it, it's hard to hate film. it. Um, f- even if you know you don't love it for being safe, but it's hard to hate it necessarily for being safe because you're like at the end of the day you're still like yeah, but it's fun. Like I enjoyed it. <laughs> I definitely right. saw it twelve exactly. times. You know, <laughs> in theaters, <laughs> so. right? Um, but, you know, I think that's 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 perfect. And, I, and those are definitely valid points. I mean, and that's the the as I've been watching more Last Jedi, I actually watch it in parts. I never, I rarely sit down and watch it from start to finish for that reason. It's a slog. Like it, it, that's. That's and that's the same with Attack of the Clones. Attack of the Clones is a movie I rarely can watch start to finish because, in a way, it's a slog. But if I break it up by either just the three acts or even the or just in half, I enjoy it a lot more. And that's what I've been doing a lot with Last Jedi. I'll watch it in two or three parts, and I, I enjoy it a lot more because from start to finish, it's just it's a lot of movie. So, and right. you know, for some I, people, I that's get- what they want. You know, it's like picking up a. Dostoevsky novel or something like you'll never catch oh me with, you'll never catch me with one of those so. <laughs> um, yikes um great questions brandon that that yeah you know some great discussion so thank you for that yeah so now we got one from uh jay white and he says i'm a new listener so welcome to the lair mr white um, and, uh, he says, I was wondering if there has been any mention of Kylo Ren having a blue lightsaber when he woke up with Luke standing over him. Do y'all think, I love y'all. <laughs> Do y'all think it yes. is the same lightsaber that Ray has now? I just noticed and thought I'd, uh, bring it up for the podcast. What do you think, Jason? Um, no, it's not the same one Ray has now because Ray has Luke's old lightsaber. Um, and that was lost and. Uh, Maz found it. I, I think I saw, if you look closely at the hilt that Ben has in that flashback, he used that hilt as a building block for his current saber. Um, it looks like it, it, it's, it looks like the central part of his cross guard saber and he's peeled back parts. He's added things. He's oh, opened it up to have the, the cross guard portion of it. Um, and he's made some special modifications himself. Um, he does that with his lightsaber instead of his ship, like his dad did. Um, so I think what, what you see there is his original lightsaber is just, morphed and been uh remade into his current lightsaber that's a really cool point i ne- i never realized that when i saw his hilt because again it's, it's i mean it's a flash and certainly with right we can always pause it or get a still image but th- there was something about the hilt too in last jedi that makes me think i don't know just stylistically it looks a lot like a prequel hilt um like something that anakin and obi-wan used when they got the borrowed lightsabers in attack of the clones 
Um, there's just something very sleek and, and simple to it. Um, I mean, directly to the questions point, no, it's, I, it's definitely not Ray's lightsaber. Um, uh, we mainly know that because it was lost until Moz found it. Um, but uh, what I'm curious about now, though, just to expand upon this, this great question that, that Jay asks is, and what you just offered up, Jason, about, you know, Kylo's, Kylo's hilt being, you know, a stripped down version of his original. What we learned in the Ahsoka novel, right, about how a Sith makes a lightsaber crystal bleed, and that's where the red comes from. I wonder, do you think that the, the, uh, the kyber crystal in Kylo's lightsaber is just his own kyber that he made bleed? I think it's his own kyber that not, not only did he make bleed, but he cracked it. Mm. And that's why it's so angry. That's yeah. why it, it, it reacts to his rage in the way it does. And, and it's, you know, I, I, I think he, I don't think he just made it bleed. I think he, you know, cracked it. Um, that's my my theory, my opinion. I have no proof to back it up, but there's some there's something wrong with that crystal. Um, it's not just bleeding; it's damaged. I think. Right. Yeah. Um, so great question, Jay. I, I, Jason, I don't mean to be. I'm gonna I'm gonna start hitting. We're gonna start moving a little bit quicker, just so that we can we can get through everything in one episode, hopefully. Sure. Um, but our next two questions come from Jackson Alonzo, who's who's. Um, been a, a long time participant in the show and he says first i was wondering do you guys have any favorite cosplayers that have done some cool star wars cosplays um mm, i don't particularly follow specific cosplayers i know there's a family that cosplays as the uh the ghost crew uh without zeb they don't have a zeb um or a chopper it's hera kanan ezra and sabine, uh, sabine. And they're pretty cool. Um, I think I've met the husband who plays Kanan once at a celebration. I don't remember specifically, but uh, they're pretty cool. But I don't really follow cosplayers. So there's some great cosplay that I've seen, but specific people, not so much. Yeah. No, I mean, I, yeah, cosplaying I love to look at. I don't really follow it. But I will say this. The one shot I want to give is when we went to um, Fan Days, which is where we first met years ago. Um, mm-hmm. I loved somebody was dressed up as Admiral Akbar, but they had a Ghostbusters costume on and they were carrying around the trap from Ghostbusters. So, and their name tag said, it's a trap. So I was like, that is amazing because <laughs> it's two <laughs> of my favorite film franchises in one. So I did love that cosplay. I thought that was really funny. Um, yeah, but moving along, he says, um, I was also wondering what is your opinion on the star Wars open world game that was going to come out and was canceled due to the st- studio being shut down by EA um, and what do you guys think about Disney looking for a new studio to take over Star Wars games instead of EA? I don't have much to offer about video games because I'm not much of a video gamer, Jackson, unfortunately. So I don't, I, I don't even know this open world game. Oh, I, I mean, I knew a little bit about it. Um, don't care. At the end of the day, I've been honestly kind of disappointed with all the Star Wars games we've gotten by EA. I, uh, I, I, I don't even think Battlefront 2's. I'm, I'm, I'm bored of it. I never play it anymore. Even with all the new upgrades they made, I, I, I hopped on it. Last week, for the first time in months, played for about twenty minutes, was bored out of my mind, <laughs> got off. The thing, and here's what. So I'll say this: I don't think they're bad games. I'm not a gamer, so I don't have a strong opinion on them either way. Um, I don't like EA's way of doing business to begin with. So yes, I do hope Disney takes the license away from them because I feel like there's also at the end of the day they should have never closed LucasArts because it's a way better company than EA. Um, but 
what I would love to see Star Wars video games turn into is some some good story games like we used to have, like Force Unleashed. Like even like I used to love for freaking I loved Super Nintendo games like the Super Star Wars, Super Empire, Super Jedi. I you know the Re- Revenge of the Sith video game for PS2, like um, oh Jedi gosh, Power. Is- there was. There were such a that, dynamic group of Star Wars games in the past from LucasArts, and now all we get is the same stuff over and over again, and it's just boring, in my opinion. So, um, yeah, please take it away from EA and give it to a company that has some level of imagination. So, <laughs> yeah, that was pretty critical to be for someone who's not a gamer. But yeah, I've Battlefront Two is like just so far from like I don't care about it at all anymore. Like I, the story was awesome. Like it's certainly obviously capable of like giving us a good fun star Wars story game to play in. Um, but uh, yeah, it just seems like all they want to do is just keep building on battlefront and nope, it's still the same game at the end of the day. Yeah. You can put some cool new, you know, some cool new uh, like uh, features onto it, but it's still the same game where I got to play a bunch of, you know, gamers who play all the freaking time and I suck. So it's super boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah give, give me a different game like give me a story game like heaven forbid they make a fun star wars story game again so yeah um i think that's one of the things i'm disappointed about the the open world game being closed down is because it would have had a story to it um you know it's probably one of those stories that you get to you know help influence on your way uh with the different missions that you take and that sort of thing but um, it would have had a story. And I think that's one of the things I'm disappointed that it's, it has been canceled. Um, but we really didn't know much about it for me to get overly attached to it. So I'm like, yeah, it, it's disappointing, but I'm not broken up about it. Um, I don't really know or care enough about the different video game companies to make an educated opinion on EA versus some other company. My brother is not is a gamer and he's not pleased with the way EA releases their games and does business. And so he would be really happy to see someone else uh, get the license, but I, I can't, I, I just don't have an opinion one way or the other. I don't, I don't care enough as long as I'm getting a, you know, something that's fun. I don't really care who's making it. Um, that being said, I'm not much of a gamer and I do sure. like story games too, Yeah, but that hasn't been a thing for star Wars in a long time, unfortunately, yeah. unfortunately, exactly like the star Wars video games. And again, I'm not a, I'm not much of a scholar when it comes to video games in general, um, a little bit more so with star Wars since it's star Wars. And I do, I love star Wars. Um, but if you think about a lot of the early star Wars video games, tie fighter, X wing rebel assault, the dark forces games, these were all games with powerful stories that also had multiplayer modes, right? So that you could play these really, um, invested storylines that expanded the universe, expanded your knowledge and um, understanding of the Star Wars galaxy. And then also when you finish the game, like it's like, oh, and you can also now do this too. Like there was like this fun aside. Now it's just like all, all, all they do is just, oh, we're just going to do multiplayer. We're just going to do multiplayer. Um, and yeah, it's cool. The games look great. They sound great. Um, but it it does nothing to expand star Wars um, in that way. No, so. there, there has not in the new, the new Canon, there has not been a star Wars game that has really produced a story that impacts much in as, as far as the new Canon is concerned. Now the, the battlefront two story is pretty good, 
but that's about it. You know, there's one, one thing that we've gotten to add, you know, from the video games that of any real consequence. And that's, that's a shame. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't, I'm sorry. There was that, there was that heyday back in the, you know, the prequel era where you had all sorts of games coming out and there were some really good ones and some really terrible ones. Um, but they were all different and they, right. And that was the great thing. Like you had pod racer, you had Jedi power battles, you had the Phantom on a story game. You had just like such a, you know, dynamic group of star Wars games coming out that it's like, Oh, if you really love racing games, you're going to love pod racer. Oh, well that's not your thing. Well, check this one out. It, they did such a good again. LucasArts did such a great job of releasing different kinds of games. Whereas now it's like they invest all this money, all this energy into a beautiful looking game that, in a way, is if you don't love doing multiplayer stuff, which I don't because I suck. <laughs> um, it's uh, yeah, it's not going to be for you. And I do have I have quite a few friends who are very uh, video game savvy, and they are not a big fan of EA. Kind of like you said with your brother. So, um, yeah, I'd have to fall on their expert opinion as to why, though, because I couldn't say. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, but let's let's move Next along. Point. Yeah, move along, move along. All right. Uh, this one comes from Patrick Rinier. He has two questions. Uh, first, what are your thoughts on the new anime inspired animated show, Resistance? Um, yeah. Well, we obviously haven't talked about it on the show. Um, so I'm glad Patrick asked. I'm really excited about it. Um, I think it's uh, – I'm excited. that it, Again, nobody has directly said that it's going to be 2D, but just the logo itself and the way they're talking about the animation style, I don't think it's going to be the, you know like Rebels and Clone Wars, which I'm excited about. Like do something different. We've had two series of 3D animation. Let's do 2D again. That would be fun. Um, and here's – at the end of the day, like we don't know – we know very little about it other than, you know, it's timeline and that it's going to follow a group of characters who we've never met before with cameos from folks that we do know, um, which I think is a great way to go. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to say the biggest positive and the, the, the subjective negative. I'll start with the negative. The subjective negative for me was like, ah, crap. I really wanted a story that explored the big three post Return of the Jedi. Yes, I se- that's what I selfishly wanted. Um, and that's obviously not what they're doing, at least not right now. So, yeah, I was like, ah, oh, crap. That's kind of what I wanted. But here's, to me, the great thing about this series and why I'm really excited. A, a consistent complaint of the sequel trilogy is we haven't gotten much history about the galaxy right now, right? Like, the films aren't really right. exploring that side. I love this idea. Kind of going back to some of the questions James asked us kind of towards the top of this segment um, with you know how important Clone Wars was for the prequel trilogy. I think Resistance will do a lot of good stuff for the sequel trilogy by fleshing out what's going on leading up to Force Awakens, right? The whole plot is about spying on the First Order with this newly formed Resistance movement. So I'm really excited to see this era of Star Wars, which we really know nothing about, explored more. And Again, that's what Clone Wars did for us for the prequel era, and I'm excited that we have a series like Resistance that's going to do that for the sequel era. So that's why I'm, at the end of the day, super pumped. Yeah, no, I'm excited about it too. Um, For many of the story reasons that you said, Carl, so I won't repeat them. Um, But also, I think the animation style is going to be fun. I'm really liking the fact that they're going to really start branching out and doing different styles of animation to help differentiate these shows. Um, And while anime isn't necessarily my favorite type of, of, of animation, 
the anime style, some of it is is actually really cool. And this looks sort of like a hybrid style of anime and other stuff. So um, I think it looks neat. I think it looks neat. And uh, BB-8 will be in it, which makes me happy. Um, Poe Dameron is going to have an appearance or two. And so will Captain Phasma. So you're going to get Oscar Isaacs and uh, Gwendolyn Christie voicing their characters um, in the show. So that'll be really nice to have those ties to the sequel trilogy, but also be able to look at what's happening uh, to the galaxy leading up to the sequel trilogy from people who have an outside perspective of the main heroes. So Mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah, me too. Um, so, and then, um, and then he also asks, uh, in the new canon it appears that Leia never forgave her father. What are your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, well, briefly. And I think a lot of that comes from, um, bloodline, right? Right. I would think. Yep. Um, eh, forget she's come to terms with it. She's not necessarily forgiven him, I think is a good way to put it. Um, but she's accepted it. And I think, uh, you know, she just accepted who he was, um, but it's hard for her to reconcile who he was with Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, I can't remember anywhere specifically in Legends that might actually have her forgive her father. Although I think there is a scene, I think it's in Truce at Bakura, which is one of the early, early novels from like the early 90s where oh. Force Ghost Anakin shows up to Leia. Um, yeah, well, she the not many people read this book. Um, Tatooine Ghost. Mm, yeah, I never. I started. Uh, I never finished it. Was a legends novel where she's basically chasing an uh, an, old, an old painting from Alderaan uh, that somehow survived because it was in the hands of you know unscrupulous folks. Um, and they're on Tatooine, and she runs across an old diary of Shmi and Kitster and all that stuff. And learns about who Anakin was, and at the end of that, forgives him. Um, but in the new canon, I've not seen much of that. So, right. And I think one thing with the new canon, um, right. So again, specifically Bloodline, um, her not forgiving her father, in a way, is very real world. Um, and I think in some ways, the sequel trilogy has, in some ways, I, I am going to say this. I think it bends a little too much to a appealing directly to real world scenarios. Um, and uh, right. So like the idea that what Leia endures by Dar- at Darth Vader's hands, it's very understandable that she would never forgive him. Like you said, yes, she's come to terms with it, but she doesn't forgive him. I think that's very, you know, very much in line with like this, uh, this world experience. And to be fair, like Leia has every reason not to forgive him. Um, but I think in a way, um, and this gets into some things I'd really have to think about a lot more than we have time for tonight. And I also would want sometimes time to put my thoughts together better. But I think I, the thing I like about the Leia of legends is in a way she is a more complete mythological hero than what we're getting now. She's still a hero, I guess somewhat mythological. Um, but I like the idea that she is, able to forgive and to move on to like learn about the truth of who her father was beforehand. Um, the Leia we get in the new Canon, she's just, there's a coldness to her. I and mean, there was always a coldness to Leia in the original trilogy, right? Um, 
but there's a coldness to her again that she's really been hardened by her experience, which again is very, very understandable and realistic. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I guess those are my thoughts on it. He's not asking for a verdict, just thoughts. So those are my thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Sounds so, good to me. Yeah. So thank you for the questions, Patrick. Those were great. Um, so let's, I'm going to, we have two, um, I want, I want to save Katie's questions for last. Cause she also hits on something that I want to hit really quickly to end the show with. Um, so okay. we got two quick, uh, sm- questions on, on, um, Twitter. The first one comes from at Porg Bach, which is a great name. <laughs> that, that's our, our friend, uh, Jeffrey Fishbach. Oh, okay. But he says, do you think Solo will be as divisive as The Last Jedi? I hope not, for one, because I was shocked with all the hate The Last Jedi received. Um, Real quick, no. I don't think it will be as divisive as Last Jedi. I don't think anything can be <laughs> at the end of the day. <laughs> uh, the only thing, the only way Episode Nine can be more divisive than Last Jedi is if, like, um, I don't even know. I'd have to think about that. But, yeah, the, I don't well, think. Well, the only way Episode Nine will be more divisive than The Last Jedi is if Episode Nine completely goes, yeah, you thought Last Jedi was real. Ha! lies and completely reverts, you know, it undercuts everything, you know, then everyone would just be all in a tizzy. So, right. But yeah, anyway, go ahead. No. Yeah. I was just gonna say, I just, no, I don't, I mean, yes, there's going to be a lot of hate towards solo, um, but it definitely won't be as divisive as last Jedi. And, and this is a point I don't want to get too much into, but it is to me just so disappointing the way the star Wars fan community has reacted. I'm, I'm happy to say that, like my sense of the folks that like, you know, take the time to listen to our show, Jason, is I don't you know, we've had we've certainly had some people who who, who have some negative thoughts to share on, on our social media. Um, but I would say ninety nine point nine percent of the time it's always, you know, expressed tactfully, open to discussion. Um, yes, we've had some we have had some jerks that <laughs> I've been happy to just delete in silence because I don't want we don't got you know, we don't make room for that in, in the community we're trying to build. Um but, uh, you know, at large, I just find it really disappointing um, that the I would say it's it's just a pocket of the fan community, but a pocket of the fan community is really giving the whole fan community a bad name. You know, it's like like with the Christian movement, like the Westboro Baptist Church, you know, a lot of Ugh. a lot of nonbelievers think that that's every Christian, which is just ridiculous. Or like with Muslims, like everybody thinks ISIS is all Muslims, which is also a equally equally ignorant and stupid. So like. At least, even if you are getting disheartened with the Star Wars fan community, just remember, it's just a select few who are just buttheads, and they just are going to continue to be buttheads on platforms like social media. Just just don't engage. It's a waste of your time. <laughs> so They're a waste of breath at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, the, I, I don't think it'll be as divisive. Um, there's already a, you know, a campaign, you know, Not My Solo, all this stuff, you know, trying to you know, get ahead of this movie. Um, but I think people are just tired of it now. And so I don't think people are feeding into it as much. I hope. Um, but you're right. The, it's just disappointing. I, I'm so, I, I feel like the parent in the room who's not even angry is just so disappointed in what, you know, people are doing with what they've been given. And it's just, it's frustrating because, 
this is a this is a fandom, and fandoms are not supposed to be bitter hives of resentment against each other. It's supposed to be an enjoyment of a franchise. We can have our differences. We can have our aspects of it that we like and aspects we don't like. But the minute you start trying to tell everybody else that they have to hate it because you don't like it, that's when it gets wrong. And when you tell people that they have to like it even if they don't, that's also wrong because you can't foist your opinion on someone else and you can't expect everyone to share your opinion. Um, and uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm sick of it. It, it, it. I think what has happened is that the whole social media politically involved idea that has happened like in social media is now just branching its way and morphing its way into fandoms at large and that's part of what all this is about. And, and we're just getting the social media uh, warriors, um, the social media people who are out there going, I hate this or I hate that. And you have to like this and you can't like that. You know, and it's just frustrating because it, social media is great. It's a great tool, but it's also just can be a minefield. Sure. And so I have a love hate relationship with social media. And there are days when I'm just like, why do I even bother? And then I have other days when I'm like, okay, this is why I bother. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. I will say our our pages uh, help help reinforce why I s- stick on social media. So, <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Well, uh, one last question we got on Twitter comes from Schmidt Jim. Um, and he says, what Legends authors would you like to return to write canon books? Michael A. Stackpole. Hey. Is he dead? It, no. Oh, oh, that was Aaron Halston. Oh, okay. All right. Also, um, which I which I would have loved to have Alston come over because he was he he wrote Star Wars humor, I think, better than anybody. Um, but unfortunately, he has passed. So, um Michael A. Stackpole, um, he wrote I, Jedi. He wrote half of the X-Wing series. Um, and I just enjoy his book. So I, I would like him to come back into the, the, the new canon. Yeah. I, I, well, I, I always loved Kevin J. Anderson's books when I was younger. I haven't read one in a long time, so I don't know that I'd necessarily want him back. Um, but so technically he hasn't written anything in the new canon. Uh, Matthew Stover all day, every day. Revenge of the Sith. Nah. Greatest Star Wars novel of all time. Again, my opinion. There you go. My opinion. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'd love to have uh, Matthew Stack or you have Michael Stack. I'd love Matthew Stover Michael. to come write a new Legends book for sure. Um, so great question. Thanks. Um. All right, so lastly, we're going to finish with uh, a really fun question from uh, Katie Horn, who's obviously got a regular participant on the show, and she's got her own Star Wars podcast now called um, Moon... Moon Jockeys. Moon Jockeys, that's what I thought, yeah. Um, so great show. If, 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 if you want to uh, check out another Star Wars podcast, check out Moon Jockeys. Katie and... Um, who is it? Who is she? Brian. Doing? Brian Bailey, right? Brian. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Her and Brian Bailey do a do a great time. Have a great time over there with that show. Um, but she says, "Do you guys think Ray and Ben will end up together romantically?" She, I, I kind of edited out her beginning part. She's essentially talking about all the fun that people are having with this idea of the Raylo relationships. She says, "You know, do, <laughs> do you guys think they'll end up together romantically?" 
I'd be fascinated to hear your opinion because, and please correct me if I'm wrong, you guys strike me as indifferent towards the idea of shipping. So I'd love to hear an opinion about Raylo from a neutral source. Um, Katie, you are indeed right about me. I could not yeah. care less about the idea of shipping. Yeah, <laughs> um, shipping is not in my wheelhouse. Yeah. Um, um, but that being said, do I think they'll end up together romantically? I don't. I mean, honestly, I kind of would like it that there, I feel like it's one, one of my, one of my favorite moments in last Jedi is when they're on that turbo lift on their way up to see Snoke. And she's like, you know, you know, you don't have to do this. You'll turn. I'll help you. The way she says, I'll help you. And the way they're looking at each other, I'm like, Oh, kiss her, kiss her. Um, but, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I think there, that, that scene is definitely charged for sure. Um, which certainly, you know, gave this great discussion to the idea of them being in a relationship. But I do, I really don't think we'll see that happen. Um, so yeah, I, I, I really don't. I also, I don't think Kylo will survive episode nine and I don't know that it'll be redeemed. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to uh, agree with you on this one that I, uh, after what he did to her, after the the duel with the Praetorians, mm. I don't think Ray is going to allow Kylo to get inside her mind again. Um, to to in in the way that she's emotionally entangled, emotionally attached, emotionally invested in what happens to to Ben, because she got you know not only. Uh, from a, in a, you know, an idealistic strategic point of view, you know, turning him was going to help the resistance, going to help bring balance, you know, to against the first order, that sort of thing. But also, she got emotionally invested because she wanted the the Luke Skywalker legend to happen again. Mm-hmm. She wanted that to happen. She wanted him to be saved, and so she got emotionally invested, emotionally attached to that. And when he completely rejects it. By just assuming that the supreme leader mantle after Snoke is dead um, and wanting to essentially blow up the past, I don't think she'll ever let herself get that close again. They'll probably still have connection. They'll probably, you know, I I would not be surprised to see them uh, force Skype in episode nine. Um, (laughs) But romantically, no, I, I He's a bad boy. She's a good girl, but that's you know, not not in any sort of romantic, happily ever after, teeny bopper, romantic comedy sort of way. Fair enough. <laughs> no, I, yeah. I I don't think it's gonna happen. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Um, I, I I don't think so either. She's she's also about ready to just you know dive headfirst into all those Jedi textbooks. So um, right, that. So yeah. yeah. Um, she ain't got time for a relationship now. Nope. Um, she's got to study. <laughs> um, so the last thing Katie brings up, and she's the only one to to have shared this information. That, that's not an indictment to anybody, but I do love that Katie at least brought it up. Um, we also asked, you know, all of you if you have any sort of rituals you do for May the 4th. And I also understand, right, like every, everybody's busy. Everybody's got jobs or lives, and sometimes May the 4th, it's just another day. Um but uh, it, luckily this year it lands on a Friday, which is also nice. 
Um, but Katie says, as far as her rituals go for May the 4th, she always she says, I always watch The Phantom Menace because it's my favorite Star Wars film. Or at least it, it was until Last Jedi came out. Well, then, Katie, it's not your favorite Star Wars film. Um, <laughs> Last Jedi, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, she says, I also try to hit up as many local May the 4th events as I can, usually at the bookstore, library, and the zoo. You know I got to get my picture with every Darth Maul cosplayer. Um, That's for sure. You know, Katie, Darth Maul is her man. Yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I, 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 that's awesome. I love that she watches her favorite Star Wars movie every year. Um, which I'm glad to hear is, uh, Katie, put Phantom Menace back. It's better than Last Jedi. Come on. Just give, give in to your Gungan <laughs> self. It's better than Last Jedi. Um, and I know but she's some... so busy shipping Raylo. I mean, come yeah. on. Yeah. When, that does, her, her... when it doesn't pan out for her, she'll definitely go back to Phantom Menace. She'll be like, oh. <laughs> It's not, not nothing quite like you know young love with a nine year old Anakin and a fourteen year old Padme. <laughs> Are you an angel? What? <laughs> an angel? An angel? <laughs> the deep space pilot talk about him. romantic opener ever. <laughs> yeah, I tried using that at the club the other night. I was like, "Are you an angel?" She's like, "Shut up." I was like, "Okay." <laughs> um, <laughs> she's like, "Let me guess, you a Christian?" I'm like, "Yeah." She's like, "I don't even believe in that," and I'm like, "Damn." <laughs> um so anyway but uh no um i actually went so last night i went with a group my my good group of uh star wars buddies out here in boston we went to the the red sox game last night because it was star wars night at fenway so that was a really good time nice um but yeah for may the 4th i got a couple things going on this year which i'm excited about so the first thing i'll be doing is that afternoon i'm finally getting my uh star wars tattoo so i'm super excited about that <gasps> Um, I'm getting getting the word always in Oribesh on my inner arm. I'll I'll put up a picture this weekend so folks can see. Um, So I've always wanted an Oribesh tattoo. Um, And when I say always, it's been like two years is all because uh, um, Andy Gutierrez has one and it's awesome. It's and it's so subtle. I love it. Um, Nice. And then, uh, yeah, every year I always watch. I, I usually watch Empire Strikes Back, but I always watch at least a Star Wars film on May the 4th. And I keep my soundtrack going the whole day, like no matter what I'm doing, I just listen to Star Wars music. So, um, <laughs> But uh, also this year I'm going to hang out with uh, my Star Wars buddies. We're going to probably play some Star Wars Destiny and watch a movie. I don't know which movie we're going to watch yet, but uh, I, I'm, I'm excited to see. I think... What I'm going to challenge them is whoever can win the most Destiny games gets to pick which Star Wars movie we watch. And if if I win, we're watching Phantom Menace. <laughs> um, but I probably won't. Say, I somebody better pick don't. Rogue One. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't do. You, do you have anything that you you have planned for either this year? I know you're about to head out of town for a wedding, but um, yeah, um, big big deal uh wedding uh, kyle baca kyle avery who's been on the show and uh you've heard him um, like on four our, years ago the like, last time he was on but <laughs> right but he, he he's on a lot when we do our our comic-con panels so he's on right. all of those that's true um but uh he's getting married this weekend and so i'm going up to phoenix for his wedding i'm in i'm in the wedding um and uh, I'm sure there will be Star Wars shenanigans because both he and his fiance are, are fans. Um, their, their engagement pictures included uh, her vadering him. So that was pretty funny. But um, I, I, I don't really have anything set and planned. I'm sure there will be some Star Wars shenanigans planned for this weekend. 
but I don't know what's going on yet. Um, so <laughs> I don't have anything really set for uh, May the 4th, although I will be watching all the, the Star Wars news feeds to see uh, where Celebration will be mm-hmm. and uh, what new Solo stuff we're supposed to get. So, yeah. I can't tickets, wait. Tickets better go on sale. I can't wait. Um, one thing that you stumbled across uh, in our in our Google Drive this evening that uh, I just mm-hmm. I kind of want to just pass this along to anybody listening. It just is a fun thing to do for the next year. So I just thought of doing this the other night, um, and I almost every week it seems like almost every week I'll watch at least one Star Wars film. Often when I'm prepping for the show, this week's been crazy. I've had no time, um, but. Uh, I said to myself, all right, regardless, I'm not watching any Star Wars movies this week because I want to be excited for watching one on you know, May the 4th. So also what I'm going to start on May the 4th, and I'm going to track this until next year's May the 4th in 2019. I'm just Every time I watch a Star Wars movie, I'm just going to tally which movie I watched and at the end of the year see how many times I've watched Star Wars movies in the year and which you know what the numbers are between all of the films. You know, Do I watch Attack of the Clones just once or did I watch it six times? Did I watch Empire Strikes Back three times or more likely 84? Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't know. So, so if that's a, just a fun little idea you might want to do, just you know, throw up a Google Drive document or something or get out a notebook and just write it down every time you watch a Star Wars movie. Just keep track of which one you watch and how many times you watch it between now and May the 4th of 2019. So just a fun little project. So feel free to join the fun. Jason, I think you're going to do it, right? Uh, probably. I think my list will be maybe a quarter yours uh, because I've got uh, you know other podcasts I got to watch stuff for too. So, um, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll probably do it too. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, just I thought it'd be fun to do. So, um, anyway, uh, that is all of the questions we got. Which everyone that wrote in, thank you so much for the questions. They, they were great. They certainly, uh, you know, invited some great conversation as always. Um. And, uh, yeah, you know, continue to continue to send questions and, you know, uh, we'll always do our best to either respond directly, whether it's on social media or an email or, you know, if it's something really exciting, bring it up on the show and just run with it from there. Um, we've only got a couple episodes left until we get to our solo stuff. You know, we'd like with every new film, I'm sure we'll, we'll, you know, the week before we're going to do a pre-show and I'm sure we'll do a couple reaction shows afterwards. So, um, but we got a couple fun episodes planned between now and then. So, so certainly if you're a new listener, hopefully you'll be back next week because we got a top five episode coming next week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and by top five, fun. I mean, probably like top seven or eight. <laughs> <laughs> Cause you know, that's how we do. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Anything else you wanted to hit on Jason before we, before we wrap up tonight? Uh, well, I do want to make sure everybody knows about our our new poll that we've got coming Thank up. you, yes. Um, so uh, we are going to go back and, and uh, hit this poll again where we are going to ask you what your favorite musical moment is from Return of the Jedi. So um, that's going to be fun. I like Return of the Jedi music a lot. So mm-hmm. I got to figure out which one I want to say is my favorite. But uh, what is your favorite musical moment? Doesn't have to be a whole piece, but your favorite moment of that uh, the music was impactful to you in Return of the Jedi. Yes. And Carl, if they want to weigh in on the poll or ask any more questions or weigh in on their May the 4th shenanigans or anything yeah. else, 
Where can they do that? Um, of course, on our social media, facebook.com slash podcast. They can follow us on Twitter at WampusLair. Send us emails at wampuslairpodcast at gmail.com. And, of course, if you want to support the show, head on over to patreon.com slash podcast, where we will have weekly mini-episodes every week. That's why it's called weekly. Um, Jason just put out a great little episode on Shmi Skywalker. Great, great little uh, episode. So head over to patreon.com. Uh, $1 a month to get access to the mini episodes. So, uh, yeah, if you got if you're able to do so, certainly support the show. And, of course, we always appreciate it. Indeed. Um, anything else you got, Carl? Uh, Misa all done. Okie dokie. Well, that will wrap up this episode of the Wampus Lair Podcast. It's been episode number 280, Star Wars Day Extravaganza, Ganza, Ganza. <laughs> For Carl, I'm Jason, and we will see you next time here in the Wampa's Lair. <laughs>